Welcome to the Your House, My House podcast. Our goal is to create a safe space for conversation, like like talking talking to your your best friends. Friends that have your back, that are encouraging, and that challenge you to not only improve your life, but yourself. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Your House, My House podcast. I am Madison. I'm Priscilla. And we are so happy to have you here on this podcast episode. Um, Today, we're literally going to just continue to keep chatting, catching up with each other, checking in on each other, um, talking about our situations, where we're at with things, um, and I think go from there. So, Yeah, that sounds good to me. So first and foremost, Priscilla, how are you? How was the rest of last week? I've been patiently waiting to um, hear how things have been going. And I pray they've been going so super well. Um, so I guess you just let me know where you're, where you're at with everything. It has been incredibly rough. Um, yeah, I think so. We recorded on Monday released on Tuesday. Um, I had my ultrasound that Tuesday, I think, right? Yes. The 27th. So they did find cyst, um, but they said, you know, that this was just what it was going to be for me to continue with my lifestyle changes um, and to see see where things went with, like, if I started cycling again, that could improve. Um, and then um, I had a coaching call with my dietitian slash diet coach um, on Wednesday. Yep. And then Wednesday around 1 p.m., I received a call from Raymond. He had been in an accident on his moped. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, he was making a left turn onto a street and the street had a stop sign, but the vehicle on the street he was turning onto, it was a truck, went through the stop sign, um, you know, to make its own left turn onto the road that he was going to make a left turn or whatever. And so um, he avoided it. But he had to jump a curb or whatever, and then came down off of the curb on the moped, um, and then you know, like slid. So he has very fortunate, very fortunate. He just has road rash. We did go into the ER, he's um fine, other than kind of his shoulder hurts too, but he doesn't have any broken bone. Thank you, Lord, that he is safe. Wow. Yeah. So it has been a crazy week. I don't even think I realized how much I rely on him in my day to day. Right? <laughs> That's such a true statement. Yeah, like he usually takes the dogs out or he will do some laundry and he's not doing those things. So then I have to... Um, or even I'll be like, Raymond, can you run and do this for me? And he'll do it. And I have to go run. 
can do it myself. So one thing that I don't enjoy doing is going down to our basement, which is like where our laundry is and like where we have some like extra food and stuff like that. So oftentimes he'll run and do those things. And with my knee, I haven't, I really haven't enjoyed going down those stairs, Um, but I've had to do them because he's not been feeling well. So Um, I took the trash out yesterday night, which normally he takes the trash out on Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. So all these little things that you don't even realize the other person is doing until you are like, oh, I have to do that. Yes. How were, so, and did your appointment, was it? With my doctor about my cysts? Yes. It was um, relatively uneventful. Um, I had the ultrasound and then I had the doctor's appointment after the ultrasound. And they basically just said, um, or the doctor said, you have the cysts. You probably saw them. Those were the little black dots on the ultrasound um and then when you have a period hopefully some of those will eventually come off um but I haven't experienced any pain with mine because I know you said with yours you had pain there haven't been any pain with mine well that's good yeah mine actually for the first time last week because I was on my cycle again beginning end of the month um I had I woke up with some pain but it wasn't even close to what it was the previous two times which makes me very happy I was still very bloated I still felt very very bloated but like it, it it's been getting better on the pain scale which makes me happy that is wonderful. Um, you know that it, it, there is a light. At least I pray there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, that's huge. But yeah, yeah. I saw your Instagram story. It looked like you went to a cute little ice cream place. I went. We took Nova. Um. We, well, my county is blessed with two really great ice cream places. And one is total custard, and the other is soft serve, and. Um, the one we were at uh, is all soft serve and nobody gets the pop cup and she gets pop cup at both places, but it's, <laughs> you can sit more outside and it's, um, it's a good time. So Dora and I ran over there and um, got to have some ice cream and enjoy this great Monday that um, we've been blessed to see. So, so yeah, I want to, I want to quick touch on, um, PCOS a little bit like you may have described this a little more in previous podcasts so if there is stuff that Mm -hmm. you're repeating you don't have to repeat it but like for you what were all of your symptoms like I'm scared I feel like I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac in some form um once I think I have something like I'm like totally freaking out and thinking that I have that Mm -hmm. um so I'm just curious like yeah was there so first of all I would highly recommend to you to anyone to get the book hormone intelligence by Dr. Aviva Ram I personally believe that all women are undereducated on our bodies Um, we're undereducated on hormones 
I mean, we don't see our hormones, you know, it's, but like they do regulate mood, um, energy, you know, cause I would feel that my mood stays for the most part, even with, um, with the exception of like, say if it goes really down because of depression, but like, there's just so much about like hormones that I've learned. Like I didn't know that your blood sugar was tied to how your liver produced. Um, I think it's called SBGH sex binding hormone goblin or something. Um, I could be saying those in reverse order, but those are the words. Um, and then that bonds to testosterone catches testosterone and pulls it out of your system. Um, so the average woman um, goes undiagnosed for nine years with PCOS. Um, and actually, ironically, um, I have been gaining weight for nine years um, up to this point in my life. Um, I started gaining weight kind of uncontrollably, I would say, but not totally uncontrollably because I was eating sugary food. So I believe that there was an explanation for it. Um, but I started gaining weight in 2012. Okay. It's 2021. So in like one year, it would be a decade of gaining weight. Um, and for me, it was 20 pounds each year. And it was very consistent, always 20 pounds. Um, so I just, you know, but another thing about that for me is like, I can't say for sure that that is like one or the other, but like I attributed it to decrease in activity. I was a very active teenager, not so active woman um, and working a desk job, you know, or going to college. Yeah. So that's what I attributed my weight to. And also that and like intense stress, um, intense trauma of some of the things that I went through in those first years. And so I believe there was just an after effect. Um, and, but in regards to PCOS, the biggest things for me that like now I look back on and I'm like, what the heck is like, what's in like this last like three months I had to start developing some like tougher chin stubble it was blonde um but I had some tougher chin stubble underneath my chin um my hair was just growing a little bit more my facial like hair under my like I'd never had under my chin before I had like that tiny little mustache like you can get a few dark hairs um but then probably in May, right before I got my diagnosis, there was one dark black hair on my chin. And like, that was from testosterone, you know? And, and so that's kind of like a big sign for you that that was like, what was happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, the facial hair is like, huge for um, or any type of additional body hair um, for women. Um, can be a symptom of the testosterone. Um, and I would say within the last three years, um, I had started developing some like random dark black hairs um, just 
announcing this to you and all the internet um but um at my like belly button area like just around there there was some dark black hairs and I tried not to think too much of it because I'm like in this really interesting place where I have blonde hair on my arms but dark hair on my legs you know and so I was like "Mm, this is maybe just normal for me but like I can look back now and say no that was not normal you started growing darker hairs in a place that had always been blonde before um or like they're coarser hairs they're like you know like chin stubble would be not a longer hair or like your leg stubble might be um the other big factor that I can look back on um to that this may have been like a longer incident for me is that really incredibly easy for me to build muscle okay people might not think that like hide from like a testosterone that's a testosterone thing wow so um literally I would find myself with definition within like say a week or two of working out especially like within my arms like for me because I had that like in my like forearms like I remember like maybe like six months ago doing some like work and immediate working out and like immediately seeing like that line back in my forearm and that's because this muscle not only had like muscle memory but it had like I feel like I had additional testosterone that was able to just go to that muscle and so also um and I want to say this with great caution um because I really want to be careful um in what I stigmatize um because I don't want to create a stigma but I and I know there's already a stigma in what I'm about to say but I want to acknowledge it in case someone is looking for answers (laughs) I want to say this in a way to any woman that if you have a high sex drive that could be normal for you and I don't ever want anyone to feel shame for that because I felt shame for that like what is wrong with me why do I have a high sex drive and my partner doesn't seem to like what like why am I higher than him because everything is like oh the guy's always higher than the woman you know like or wants it more and so was just very confused about that and I just want to verify that it's okay yeah. for pe- it, people to have any type of like, you know, I would say sex drive, you know, yeah. like that's. I've heard that that's kind of a big sign as well. But that was like, now I know that I had extra testosterone. That was probably mm-hmm. part of it. Another thing for me is, um, I personally have never felt mood swings in my period. Never. Like, that's me. Like, women will describe, like, these mood swings. And I'd literally be like, what? You're making this stuff up. Like, this is, this is not happening. <laughs> like, I vibe. I am me all the way through. And I think that, in part, that might be, you know, um, just testosterone and that was me since I very started my period like when I was young like 
that has always been me. There has been no huge hormone fluctuations, at least for me, um, that affect my mentality, I guess. And I would like to think that that would be the case too, even if I get this figured out, like that'll just be nice and level-headed um, always. But I think the testosterone probably, you know, I never had like crazy mood swings. I never had cravings for certain foods on my period. It was just always very level. Um, but the insulin resistance is definitely tied to PCOS. Um, so I think the weight gain, whether, um, I don't think I could use it as a cause, although you could argue like cause or symptom. Um, but there's something with my insulin and either was the way I was eating like nine years ago that I triggered it or it was already in me as I was like coping with my stress. I don't know. Um, and I found interesting stuff on whether it's genetic or, um, I don't want to say lifestyle, whether it's genetic or if it just happens to you, you know, and there are some potential ties to, I would say, genetics. Sure. Uh, so there's like two different ways of thinking about it. And I'm not sure which is right. I'm not a doctor, um, but um, in doing some family history, um, and asking my grandma about like her and her mom um I found and learned some interesting things that you know I had never bothered to ask before um and their own struggles so that's so interesting right because then you never you would never think to ask beforehand mm-hmm. it would never it was never something that would have crossed your mind beforehand so yeah, and they didn't have PCOS, but they had their own issues. Um, and my great grandma had diabetes. And, like, um, I remember that being something that I remember as a child. And so I knew that. Um, so that kind of like triggered me to like ask, hey, you know. Um, that's kind of that. I mean, there are a lot of other things like in the hormone intelligence book that I've been reading that are, I will say there's some really cool checklists in there. And I, and there's checklists, not just for PCOS, which PCOS is high testosterone, but then you have things like endometriosis or I'm um, just period pain in general that she talks about like she doesn't believe you should have any pain on your periods um and talking about like hormones and stuff like the checklists for me were really interesting because there were things listed as a symptom there that I would never go to a doctor and say oh this is a symptom for me right um so great so just like taking like a big picture look at like all the things and um, whether that's exhaustion 
um, like, how do you say to your doctor, I feel tired, but maybe, maybe I'm just living a busy life or is it hormones? I really do feel that hormones play such a huge role into so many things, which does tie back a little bit into our food journey that we're doing, because it's like, it, there's so many things that connect to each other. It's hard to keep all your ducks in a row. Um, but like, I genuinely feel like, like you said, am I actually tired or is it, is it, is it my hormones? Mm -hmm. Am I actually this, or is it from another greater issue? Like it's just this constant back and forth. That's so crazy. And I don't, I think part of the reason why women are not diagnosed until nine years is because I think at that point we start showing symptoms, whether it's the facial hair or whatever, like I did progress. I think stuff really starts to show up in your twenties from what I read. And maybe, I don't know if the book talks about that at all, but, um, I don't know. Girls that show really strong symptoms may be diagnosed in their teens. Um, but a lot of women will go undiagnosed um, or not find a diagnosis until they try to have a kid or something. Oh, and if this goes without saying, um, which I may have totally missed for a listener, um, the big warning sign for me was I missed my period for three months. So um, is missing a period a huge... Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Um, three months. And like when I did my teledoc call, like just with the doctor and I was like, I spoke with my girlfriend and I realized it's been three months and he's like, you probably have PCOS. Like just straight up. You probably have PCOS. If you've missed your period for three months, that was his thing. You need to go into a doctor and you need to get, you know, like the blood work done. And get a period force. Um, previous to that, actually, though, um, since about 2018, no, 2017, actually, um, I had missed at least one period a year. Okay. It would just be random. So I attributed it to high amounts of stress. Um, and there were things that I had changed, whether it was moving to Madison or different stuff like that. There were things that I could attribute it to and be like, oh, well, that's why I skipped my period. My body's just in shock. I moved or whatever. But in reality, it was probably a little symptom. You know, and I can look back at that now and say, oh, well, I missed my period Um, this many years. Like, occasionally I'd miss. And I hadn't ever missed before then. So So that was telling. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, so crazy. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that. Because, like, it just boggles my mind that there's so much that can control so much that can control so much that can control so much. You know, I was actually having a conversation today about, um, I was talking to somebody about my food journey. I was like, you have to listen to my podcast. Let's talk about this on my podcast. Um, and they were asking me, like, they were talking about thyroid issues. And I was like, see, though, because certain foods can affect your gut health, which isn't that your thyroid? And they get all ties together. Your gut health and your thyroid, I think, tie together. And I was like, certain foods can affect this and certain foods can affect that. And da, 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 da. It's just, it's this crazy domino effect 
if you will, you know, it's just like, it, it gets me so worked up <laughs> it's because oh, the human body is so interesting and there are ways around things and you have to physically do the research and take the time and effort to figure your body out and educate yourself. Um, I forget. And I love that you brought that up. I forget what it was, but this week I was reading something that talked about um, ways within dieting or restriction, we can actually damage our thyroid. Mm -hmm. I do not remember what it was. Um, but Dr. Aviva Ram also like her first initial books were on thyroid and she talks and it might even be in the book I'm reading now. Um, but she talks about like, I think she calls them access, like, um, like, you know how the earth spins on its axis. I'm saying that right. Right. Yes. The earth spins on its axis. (laughs) Yes. So she was talking about the different ways our body communicates and like the gut to the brain. Mm -hmm. Like science Mm -hmm. is really backing that up that the gut is the only place in our body where there's a nerve that goes back to the brain. Do you want to know a fun fact? So I always struggled. I I would get strep throat three times a year mm-hmm. ever since I was little. And a couple months before um, my freshman year of college, I had to get, no, it wasn't even a couple months. It was like two weeks before I moved into my freshman dorm. Um, I had to get surgery to get my tonsils removed because I got strep throat for the third time within like three months. And they were like, okay, you just need them out. Da, da, da. So months later, after my tonsillectomy, um, I had a therapist down in Milwaukee that I was meeting with because there's a lot of uh, struggling. There's a lot of um, struggles with me moving away and my dad had cancer. So I was struggling with that. And so I was meeting with this therapist and we were talking about, she asked me if I ever struggled with sore throats. She's like, did you, would you ever like happen to get strep? And I was like, funny you said you know funny you're asking me I just literally got my tonsils out like a few months ago and she's like did you know that strep throat is tied to gut health and anxiety and like all these things she's like would you notice spikes like anxiety spikes during your strep throat and I was like I mean I guess now that you're saying that, maybe, like, I was like, uh, maybe she's like, because it's actually tied to your, um, gut health, which ties also to the brain. Right. And I will never forget that conversation because that was when I was really, it really opened me up to like, hmm, like <laughs> what crazy how that works. It's so crazy how that works. I love that you're speaking into this be, and I love that you're, so I'm assuming this was a mental therapist. Yes. Yes. Okay. And we were actually talking about, so I was on, um, a pediatric dose of, I think the pill was called sertraline Zoloft, um, for my anxiety, for my depression and my, it like skyrocketed my freshman year of college. Like I was just, I could not manage my, um, OCD, my anxiety, my, um, interest thoughts, they're horrible. I struggled being away from home. So I met with this, I would, I had weekly therapy sessions 
Um, but I had to meet with this woman to talk about bumping my dosage up to 50 milligrams to get me off the pediatric atric dose and get me on like an adult, you know, um, dose. And she asked me this question and I was like blown away because when I told her that I literally just got my, t- I think she kind of, the second I told her that I months beforehand, I actually had to get my tonsillectomy because I got ton- uh, strep throat for the third time that year. She was just like, Oh my God, it's just so wild. And then went on to tell me the whole like tangent. Yeah. Um, I think that's really great that she was talking about that because I feel like sometimes in the discussion on mental health it's like messed and I also think there are people who think oh you can cure all mental health if you just feed yourself right and I don't think that's true either but um I think there's a nice middle ground where you acknowledge that what you put into your body can help your mental health um I've never had strep throat, um, but I always had like a sore throat or I'd always catch a cold. Yeah. Um, and I would always get tested for strep throat and I've never had strep throat. Um, <clears throat> guess, guess what I'm getting for 2021. With your tonsils being out, fun fact. And oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I had my I tonsils taken out too. Um, you did have your tonsils taken out. Yeah. And it was honestly like life changing. And I think, and this may not be true, like in the future, I know that they say keep them because it helps like fight um, bacteria or whatever. But I was just having issues with them like holding food and holding bacteria. Like the holes were too big and so like I just feel that that was like increasing me being sick and so getting them out was phenomenal and I know for other people I've heard other people who told me like don't get them out schools will be so much worse I when I I I struggled still struggle with this to this day and I don't know if it's because they left my adenoids in and they're supposed to take them out I'm not exactly sure um but about like a month and a half after getting my surgery done, I started getting sinus infections and now I get sinus infections like three times a year or two times a year. And those suck too. Um, and I never used to get those. So instead instead of strep throat, now I have sinus infections. Mm. Weird. Yeah. Your tonsillectomy, was it a horror story for you? Yeah. It was for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was a blessing but also a horror story (laughs) like they nicked my uvula the little dangly thing that hangs in the back of your throat they nicked that during no yeah so it was like what's the recovery time on a tonsillectomy like two weeks at least two weeks okay So, and then you have that medication. Well, the medication you're supposed to swallow with a syringe and I could hardly swallow it. And the reason why I couldn't was because my uvula was so swollen up. It was like, there was like no space in my throat. Oh my God. But I didn't know that. 
my grandma who I was living with did not know that. Oh, <laughs> and it, so I was just, you know, would have to medicate myself and I was like, I can hardly swallow. It's so painful. And this was still going on two weeks later. And I think I had my grandma take me into the ER on week one and they were like, there's nothing there. So my grandma wouldn't take me on the second week. She was like, there's, you should be healed by now. So my sister came and took me. Oh my! God. And the ER was like, "Yeah, the swelling's gone down now, so we can see that you were you were nicked." Yeah, you were you were just nicked in the uvula. Oh, okay, okay. My uvula. I wonder. I mean, because they wouldn't tell you that. I had the worst experience, healing experience ever. It was god awful. It took me like a month at least. Yeah, it took me a good month to fully feel back to my normal self and eat normally. Yeah. But like the first three weeks for sure were a living nightmare. It was and so every- bad. I don't even know how I made it through. And you can't talk. Can't um, eat anything. Certain foods, the acidity in them would burn my throat. It was just horrible horrible I think I threw out the notes that I had written like during I think I ran into them like a year ago um because I got my tonsillectomy in um 2016 okay the year before got yours yeah and um so then I had a notepad and I would write things and I had like I came across it like a year ago and I hope I threw it out but like I came across it and there's no pain I had written things so I was writing to my grandma like this or that or like I'm in pain and you know like trying to like express it and um it was so wild reading that I was like I would not wish a tonsillectomy on anyone (laughs) oh my god no I would never either like I it was uh, I, there are no words to fully describe it. There really are not. Like, it was the most painful, horrendous thing I've ever had to experience in my life. And there's no escaping it. Like, you're, you're, you don't realize how, because <laughs> it controls everything. It controls what you talk, what, what you eat, all your like major things that you can't you oh it's so horrible you know I was trying to figure out if my wisdom teeth or my tonsillectomy were worse and I I I did have a bad wisdom teeth experience as well yeah yeah but it was definitely my tonsillectomy because I could talk with my wisdom teeth it would still be my tonsillectomy for sure too and my wisdom teeth wasn't as long as a recovery like my tonsillectomy I was out for a good three weeks yeah it is terrible pain horrible pain and then and then it it was my first ever huge surgery and I my anxiety was through the roof that morning I was still on the pediatric floor when I got mine out and um they (laughs) I was crying so hard my mom and dad were both with me I was crying so hard I didn't even know what was going on my dad's like can you give her anything at all to like calm her down so then they gave me this medication to calm me down and I was so hysterically bawling because I was so terrified to go into the surgery, knowing that I was going to be in pain afterwards. Um, I wasn't even paying attention to what the doctors are doing. And then they put the uh, IV into my 
hand and that I screamed. I was like, it, I just, it was horrible. And then they um, needed to put the therapy dog with me. So I had the therapy dog. <laughs> therapy dog sat with me for a good 30 minutes for my surgery. So yeah. Aww. But I was really calm going into my surgery. It was my first like major surgery too, but I knew they were going to put me to sleep. So I knew I wasn't going to feel anything. And I was like, get the, that's what I was most afraid for was getting put to sleep. Priscilla. That's what I was most horrified for was that. I guess maybe because I'd seen my horse um, sedated for his surgery. Yes. Maybe Um, I missed it. Yeah. And which I suppose would be different than like say seeing an animal put down because like that was very different um but like I guess I just like knew I was gonna come out of it (laughs) and these blasted things that I felt the doctors were like we can't even say that these tonsils are making you sick and I was like I don't care what you think I believe they're making me sick so take them out yeah so I was just so ready for it and I was not prepared for the level of pain. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was horrible. Absolutely terrible. Oh goodness. Well, is there anything else you want to share for tonight's podcast? We 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 dived into talking about the tonsillectomy. We love a good tonsillectomy story. Um check your hormones. Check if your you hormones, yeah. Don't know anything about your hormones if you feel something is off. Um if your doctor doesn't know anything or is writing you off as just you know whatever or says things like well period pain is normal um or suggests you know whatever um go ahead and um switch your doctor or just like really hardcore advocate for yourself, but that can be hard. You might just need to switch your doctor. Um, that would be my opinion. Um, and read and research. Um, and I feel like also Instagram, like the things that you follow, the feed's going to give you more of. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about your health or your hormones, you can find yourself down the rabbit trail slowly yes. but surely, but intentionally knowing what you want to see, you can see more of that. And like, yep. we can use Instagram to like compare ourselves to other women, which I know some, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens, or we can use it as an education tool. There are so many people out there using any platform to give education um, and that is free resources for us and we should be curious about that and also if nothing I said resonated with you know you and you're just like listening to it uh, and maybe you're the opposite of me and you're like oh my gosh I'm crazy swinging or and this is a weird thing um, but like I started developing breast tenderness um, within like the last year. And that was weird for me. And I'm not sure why I was developing breast tender tenderness along with the testosterone thing. Um, but um, I recently ran um, recently was um, talking to a lady who said, you know, when you're getting your breast um, exam done, get the 3d one, not the 2d one. 
Oh, interesting. Um, you know, she said that they found cancer doing a 3D one for her and it was far back in her breast. And she just said, um, you know, they caught it early or whatever, but she said, you know, just advocate for yourself and get the 3D one. Um, especially if you have any of it in your family. And I believe I do on my maternal side. Um, yeah, just be your own health advocate. Um, and if you haven't been up to this point, I don't want to say no biggie, but like no biggie, like we each come to a realization, I feel like of our health in our own time. And like now my health is really important to me and I do truly believe health is wealth. Um, more and more. So totally is. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Madison? All good? All good over here. Same old, same old, really fun, exciting updates. Maybe next week. <laughs> so we'll see. Actually, I'm glad uh, we uh, dove where we went. I kind of, that's kind of what I love about us is we'll like start talking about something and then we'll like totally just dive into like these other random topics, which are super fun. So yeah. Well, All right. Well, I guess on that note, um, if you listen this far, we appreciate you. We thank you. Um, yeah, we just, again, are so thankful that we have so many awesome listeners. So, um, we will see you for the next podcast. We look forward to it and we thank you for listening. Did this resonate with you? Subscribe to our podcast today. Talk Talk soon. soon. So your host next week? Heck yeah. Can't wait.